Hola, buenos días. Soy Nico, and today we're here for another episode of a multifaceted podcast panel. Today we are going to be talking about growing up queer in Black and Brown spaces, and we do have a varied amount of people here today, so we should be getting some good differences and experiences. But what brought this on was there was a large talk on social media about barbershop culture and how a lot of queer men do not feel safe in barbershop, seeing as how it is a very heteronormative space that is usually filled with homophobia and misogyny, depending on the area that you grew up. Um, along with the conversation that I had over the guy that had the blue contacts, who basically was saying anti-Black stereotypes and justifying why he further furthered himself from Black people and actively avoid them, but it actually came out that he had fabricated these stories because he grew up in Japan. So he was essentially just reaffirming stereotypes he had heard from the people around him for attention. So this conversation, I feel like, is going to be very interesting, seeing as how we have a lot of different perspectives here. But from my experiences in just barbershop culture, I'll say, since the age of like 10, I've had the same barber. So I've never personally experienced homophobia in the barbershop for the sole fact that once I became around 13 to 14, he began to do appointments only. So we would just be talking about day-to-day -day life. So I would definitely like to hear other people's experiences, especially in these heavily heterosexual male spaces when you're in them. And actually I'm interested in one person in particular who is Trey. Yeah, I'm gonna put you on blast a little bit just because you are one of our more masculine um, heterosexual presenting members of the Patreon family. So I would like your experience in these spaces in particular. Uh, well, I guess surprise, surprise. I don't really see, I've seen the conversation on Twitter. I didn't really experience any negative. I never experienced anything negative in the barbershops. I mean, yes, it is predominantly men. I go to predominantly black men barbershops and yes they do speak misogynistic but when you're amongst guys I mean it's, I, it's God talk you know just like women have their femme talk um, and yes they would say things that are homophobic in nature but me personally I never had a problem with it I never had a I've never felt attacked, but I guess that is due to me being more masculine presenting and them talking to me and not at me. So mm, I can see how someone with a more feminine presenting aura would not feel comfortable in that space. Mm, and would you say that um, you properly stealth when you're in heterosexual environments? Because I do have the benefit of I'm tall and I'm muscular. So I usually just deepen my voice when I'm in heterosexual spaces and I tend to blend in. Did they know you were get, well, bisexual or did you simply present as heterosexual? I don't think, you know, they didn't know I was bisexual. Mm. Um, I feel like if they knew I was bisexual, the conversation, just typically where I'm at, will try to shift like, oh, well, let's not say these certain words because he's bisexual. Uh, mm. So I can, I can see that as being a reason as to why I might not have had a negative experience in the barbershop. So I will never invalidate anybody else's experience. All I can say is that I've always had pleasant experiences in those spaces and I can quote unquote fit in those spaces. Cause a lot of the, the likes and the talks and stuff are stuff I'm actively interested in and can participate with. So. Mm. I will say before we move on to um, the next person who had their hands up, uh, 
they you know guy talk it's interesting because it does lean around misogyny to a degree they're usually talking about women sports or you know politics and i would always find it interesting because whenever i would hear them talk about women you would feel like they didn't actually enjoy the women that were in their lives the way they talked about them and the only time i saw like positive in- interactions with women was let's say when my mom would bring me to the barbershop and men would hit on her and that was the only time I would see like a positive conversation about women in that space but maybe that's just the southern men that I grew up around that not usually a positive dialogue I will I'll let me say this and and like I said that can vary from wherever you are in my experiences like when a woman walk in yes they gonna hit on her but they will also say hey like you know cussing I would notice the guys will stop the cussing mm. they, they wouldn't speak as dirty when there was a woman in the room um and then once she left the room they will proceed to talk dirty um and then a lot of them who did complain or was misogynistic about their woman at home i'll i give them grace on that because if you go into the beauty shop you'll hear a lot of women talking just as bad about the guys they got at home so this is this is going to be an interesting dialogue because now we do have I, I I do not know your pronouns um Yvonne is it she her it's me it's, it's me. cash out it's been mo- no is <laughs> she is she okay so when we when we get to you I would love your perspective on that because I'm assuming you've at least been in a barbershop once or twice and of course a beauty salon you know um so yes, at the Star Mother, you had your hand up next, and then we'll move through the hands. And I want to get y- uh, Yvonne's personal experience. So, um, <laughs> I love that for Trey. I really do love that. I also think that Trey looks like he can fight. So, oh. <laughs> uh, like, like just being frankly honest, I can, like, I can. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It shows, it shows. Um, so it's not that necessary. So his barbers would be very respectful in their language if they knew he was bisexual and or mm. if it became an active part of the conversation. Whereas other people who may not look like that, they're going to keep talking that shit and there's going to be a conversation of, no, you're not bisexual, you're gay because you can't be one side, you got to be the other. We cannot forget about bisexual erasure. Um, mm. But also just kind of speaking on my experience, like, as a black pansexual man um, raised in a Southern Baptist household underneath a preacher grandfather. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm, a P- I'm not a PK, but I was raised by my grandfather. So basically I'm a PK. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's weird. It's very weird be for me because I was a very emotionally intelligent child. I was a very smart child. I would pick up nuances very fast. I had to vocal, I had to be able to vocalize myself very quickly because people couldn't understand me. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because I was the one that was just kind of quickly breaking generational traumas and making sure like I have emotions and I have words and you can speak English. So we got to work together on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, I got my ass beat a few times, but that's still, but. You know, I was hard-headed, so I still could. <laughs> I spoke my mind. I was a strong, independent Black woman. Uh, <laughs> uh, but in terms of, like, barbershop stuff, so my mom would take me to the barber. Yeah, no, they did not change their language for her. My mom, oh. my mom, for lack of a better term, she was a tomboy. She dressed femme. She is a very femme-presenting woman. But, like, 
she's one of those girls that gets, or women that gets along with men better than she does with other women for the most part. Mm. So when she was in the barbershop, they would hit on her and they wouldn't really change their language. And I would just be seeing it happen in front of me and being like, I don't think this man is going to be my daddy. I definitely don't think this man is going to be my new daddy. Um, this is nice and all. Thanks for giving me a haircut. I don't really care. I just came here because they told me I look nappy, but I'm the only black kid in this damn school. So I don't really care. <laughs> they can call me nappy, but they ain't got nobody else to judge me off of. There's not a black person that looks better than me. Oh my so gosh. I'm doing great. <laughs> Interesting. So since you did grow up in a, you said a predominantly white area, did you go to a black barbershop? Uh, yes, I went to a black barbershop and it was predominantly Asian and Hispanic, not white. Ooh. White people, black people were the most minorities, but black or black people were like the most minor minorities, but uh, white people were just slightly above us because mm. they were like the ones who were doing the teaching and got the good jobs and you know, bullshit. Mm. Interesting. And let's see, how would you say your experiences? as an adult now? Because I'm assuming you still go to the barbershop or do you just cut your own hair? How have your experiences um, changed now that you're more of a proud and out feminine presenting pansexual man? Um, now I go to the barbershops, I usually just kind of stay silent. Mm. Uh, I guess the barbershop I go to, there's a lot of older cats and then there's a lot of younger cats. Like there's a very like big split in the age medium. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, they don't talk about nothing around me per se, but there is a lot of like the young dude who like cuts my hair, he's like 20. There's always like those pause statements after he says something. And me in my head, I'm just like, if you have to say pause and why are you, you're the only one thinking about homoeroticism and or the other person on the other side of this line, um, right, right, right next to me in the next chair is also thinking about homoeroticism. Me as a homoerotic, not actually care i don't i'm not picking that up i'm not like thinking about that because i'm not thinking about dick well well i'm not thinking about (laughs) what they're saying in a sexual tense while my hair is being cut i am in a different place and mindset and that's actually a good conversation right there as to why heterosexual men tend to have homoerotic thoughts and fears of saying something for lack of better words, that's perceived as gay, and they immediately turn the conversation to that. When most gay people, yeah, we we could be, yeah, that most gay people, they do have gay conversations, and it does flow naturally, but it's not like we sit back and think of it as, like, an actual thing when we're talking. We don't, we don't ever say something to be like, pause, to try to make it straight. Yeah. It's just literally like, the conversation just keeps going. If it comes out and it feels a little heterosexual, it's like laughing every time somebody says 69. You can only laugh at it so many times in one conversation. Valid. Very valid. <laughs> like, just move on. We get what you need to say. If, if I got to pay $69, I got to pay $69. We can't keep laughing about this. I need to pay my money and go. I definitely understand. I definitely feel you. And next, we're going to get to LaShawn, because you had your hand up next, and then we'll get to Michael. Hello, all. So just like with Star Mother, I too had a similar, just like with Star Mother, I too had a similar experience um, growing up in Black spaces as a very um, feminine gay man. And I just did not feel comfortable. I'm going to be very honest, which is 
so unfortunate because you think that in a community where people look like you, you feel like, okay, I'll feel more comfortable, but I just didn't. And especially, mm-hmm. um, I grew up in a Caribbean household and the neighborhood I'm in, it's heavily Caribbean populated. So I really didn't feel safe, um, especially like the common school, home, all that stuff. So I tend to venture out and not go anywhere, which has, has predominantly a lot of Black folks because of my, when, when I was younger at the time, um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to go because I just did not feel safe where the, except for maybe a place that has other gay other black lgbtq people or mm-hmm. with black women and girls because i feel the most safe i feel more comfortable and I'm more myself um i do have a barber that i go to and like star mother i just just sit quiet i put my headphones on listen to my music or i'll take on my sketch pad whatever draw until they call me you know to get my hair done mm-hmm. um but the barber i have he's pretty cool he has um a cousin he works there so those two are the only ones I actually talk to. The other mm. guys, I'm like, I, I just don't want to talk to. Like, no. I and I you. feel like, huh? No, oh, no, I was saying I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. But then once the conversation starts to, um, once we had a conversation, um, especially when they see like my work, they start to be, begin a conversation with me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay. I thought, okay, we're very pretty cool. But then the next day, it's like, they give me the stare. I'm like, I said, oh, I just don't feel welcome here now. It's like, is it something I do? I, I don't mm-hmm. know. So there so, was that. So once they actually perceived you as gay, you felt like you were being treated differently. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. But the reason why, but I just kept my hand, my head held high up and I just still go. Because at the end of the day, my barber's there. So I go there to get my cut. He's I'm cool with him. He's cool with me. And his cousin's also cool with me. And honestly, that's what's important. I just go, go out, mind my business. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say as I get older now, um part of me still feel that way where I just don't feel comfortable in predominantly black spaces, unless of course if it's black rainbow spaces or a place where black women and with black women and girls i aside from that i still don't feel comfortable so i could understand some gay black and bi men who may not feel comfortable in black and brown spaces especially because in our community it's so rigid mm-hmm. i mean it's like so extreme so binary it's like you, you can't be in between you can be more outside more than one and I think that also contribute into anti-blackness. It contributes to my anti-blackness. Of course, outside from colorism and racism and the systematic racism that we see like in the media from that was depicted for white supremacy, that's true. But it's just like, when I, and this when I was, again, when I was very young, so I was kid teenager at that time. Mm-hmm. And it made me not love my blackness. It made me not love myself. But as mm-hmm. I get older, especially with therapy, you know, I told myself, no, LaShawn, you can you can like these interests that may be unconventionally black and you can still love your blackness. And I think that's what's so important. And I think I'm happy I'm seeing more of the newer generation of black and brown kids. It's like, 
you realize that like, hey, you can you can be into the golf scene, you can be into the theater scene, but you can still love your blackness. You can mm -hmm. still embrace that. And I think that's good because it's like, why is it other racial groups? They can be anything under the spectrum, still love who they are, but we have to be so rigid. It doesn't have to be. And I feel like the more black people start to embrace that, the more I feel like we can flourish the way that we want. Cause I feel like right now, there's a whole talk about black excellence and black unity, which is great, but I just feel like no one's really practicing that if you're constantly ostracizing and constantly limiting and rigiding, you know, your own people. It's bad enough the the outside world's doing that. When mm. you do it, it makes it impossible. I agree. I agree. And when we have these conversations, <clears throat> I always try to specify that. When I was a kid and I was bullied, I was called the F word before I was ever called the N word, if I'm being quite honest. So yeah, like you're, you're giggling, star mother, but it's the truth. It's like, I've always faced more discrimination from within the community before I faced it outward, but that could also be looked as I was in an area that was predominantly black with some white people. So it's like, this is the majority. So it's not like I'm going to have a lot of interactions with white people. So it, I didn't really have the chance to experience a lot of racism growing up but in this particular moment it does make you take a step back and that's what I was saying in that video you know if anything it made me have to face my community to the point where it's like I had to redefine what blackness meant to me because mm -hmm. a lot of people believe that we're a monolith and that there's only one way to properly be black so if you're not fitting into that mold you're trying to be something other than and Blackness, it encompasses so much, and it's not just a particular archetype you see in the media. It's not a particular style. It's it's just so expansive. It's it's not fair to just limit people into this rigid mold. But yeah, because it's oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, because it's very because when you see the outcome of why you're limiting people, it becomes so damaging. I mean, look what the whole happened with the Sukihana thing. You know, she's acting raggedy, and I've seen idiots on YouTube, on Twitter talking about like she's embraced she's being unapologetically black and it's like we need to cut this shit out because the uncouth behavior should not equate to blackness that's that's it's a like, conversation that's a conversation that I wanted to have as well just for the sole fact that they continue to add the negative stereotypes that Sukihana, which she even said herself when the whole YK Osiris thing happened, that that's not who she actually is. She's actually a very soft and sensitive person, and she tends to numb herself with liquor. So when people were going, oh, she's being unapologetically her true self, this, this woman literally came out weeks ago saying, that's not who I am. This is a stage persona. This is how I make my money. So trying to attribute her actions as unapologetically Black when all she was doing was walking around in a different country screaming, I'm going to eat a nigga's ass. It's like, that's not, it's not blackness. But then they tried it's, to reroute the conversation to, <laughs> yeah, they tried to reroute uh, the conversation to, well, she's being unapologetically her true self and not changing how she acts for white people. But I feel like having Kuth and or just not screaming, because that's the thing. If we're at a bar, if we're at a club, it's 11 p.m. We like six shots in, you screaming, I'm going to eat a nigga's ass. That's one thing. Walking down the street in broad daylight at 2 p.m. in a different country is, is just uncouth. It, 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 I, I just didn't understand. And mind you, these were the same ones who were defending left and right in Hallie's honor and image because so many racist people were depicting these negative stereotypes about her. And then 
I'm seeing the same people trying to justify it with the whole Sukihana situation. I'm like, y'all will never learn. Well, some of y'all will never learn. But yeah. at least we now know that we're prospering. We, we don't just let Black women live and be in more than one or two <laughs> modes, church mode and fucking nigga mode. Just, just let Black women live. Sorry. I agree. I agree. <laughs> that's a that's the thing i'm usually one of those people like i'm gonna stay out of women's business in general just because that's not my business <laughs> but it was the conversation turning into well that's just being black i'm like me screaming i'm gonna eat a nigga's ass on the side of the street is not being black but i usually just stay out of women's business because that's not not my lane <laughs> um but let's get to michael because the timer has started all right so hey guys how's it going but um, yeah, so I grew up in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You're from the boat, okay. <laughs> yeah, the boot, yeah. <laughs> and so um, I, I identify as like a bisexual black man. And so I guess it's like, um, I feel like I was a pretty feminine kid, but at the same time, it's like, I kind of felt like a bit of a chameleon because I could go in and out of like straight paces. Sometimes I wouldn't be clocked, you know what I mean? As like mm -hmm. weird. So like a lot of times I feel like I got to see from the inside how things were. So I feel like it's, especially when I was younger, uh, when I would go to the barbershop, I would like hear the way that they would talk and like things of that nature. But for the most part, it would never be like directed towards me or anything like that. But there were times where uh, it I did get clocked and I guess like it, it got to that homophobic uh, level. But I remember this specific barber was like really cool. And he actually like defended me in a, or not, or just queer people in general, because uh, the specific, the guy was specifically trying to like say, oh, I remember him saying queer rights are being pushed ahead of black rights or whatever. And uh, the barber specifically was like, yo, like there are queer black people. So like, what are you trying to say? Like, that that doesn't make sense. You really sound ignorant. And I, I really was like, yo, like I fucks with him for like for just pointing that out and and being that guy. So like I have known a lot of really cool black men who kind of they they were okay with like my queerness and like who I am and things of that nature. So I've seen like both sides of it. Like you were saying, I've been called the F word um before I got called the N-word. So, but at the same time, I've also had black men have my back and and be in my mm. corner. So it's like I, I I see both sides and it's very mixed and it's it's difficult. So it's like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely understand. And from my experience, it's usually black women that stand up for me when in those uh situations. So I I definitely feel you. Yeah. Um oh, I'm sorry, my brain <laughs> slipped because there was something that you said that I wanted to talk about. Oh, I'm so sorry. My brain. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> if it comes back to you, I'm still here. I'll be here. Oh, um, it'll come back to me. It'll come back to me. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, until then, uh, Yvonne, I want your experiences. Um, first in the black barbershop and then in the beauty salon, like is beauty salon is what Trey said. Like, does it hold some merit to it? What do black women usually talk about is it usually the same defamatory language i no <laughs> <laughs> um i mean so women can, are we allowed to curse i don't yes, want to curse yes you're good <laughs> we talk our shit i mean mm -hmm. you know we do i i often think the entitlement of men when i when i look at this stuff that that men think that when women are together our focus is you Mm. and I mean yeah you'll have you know mothers talking about their children you know you'll have the, but 
it's not man focused. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, whenever I hear men talk about, you know, well, women always talking about, you know, niggas ain't this, niggas ain't that. Those are usually very targeted times. And that's when I'm with a friend that's been hurt by one, mm. you know, but to walk into like a beauty salon or to like, I go get facials. I'm going to get a facial tomorrow for us to sit there and talk about, you know, men ain't this. You no. Know. Now I will say this. I have had services with people who have, and it usually creeps up on you, which is really scary, homophobic opinions that mm. you didn't catch at the onset, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're sitting there and, you know, you're just kind of vibing with somebody and laughing with somebody and they say something and you go, yo, did you say what I think you just, did?" you know, like, mm. yo, like they felt you know, comfortable like, in the moment. Right. And I've had a lot of that in my life that people felt comfortable to say something, to say something anti-Black, to say, I, I work in education. I'm a school psychologist. To say something, you know, you know, I've had educators after a child left the room start to talk about the child's queerness or whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's like, yo, what? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so, you know, oh, you think we're going to kiki and laugh? No, let me, you know, I don't, but this is my personality. I don't let people do that. You know, you're not complaining mm-hmm. in my face. I'm yeah. not like I told someone, I'm not a mean girl. We're not mm-hmm. doing this shit, you know. And so um I have witnessed in 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 college and middle schools and elementary schools with the, the phenomenon that you talk about that a lot of times black girls will stand up for, you know, a lot of um gay or or boys that are perceived to be gay. Because mm-hmm. that's another big thing. You know, people, people like to throw this, you know, gay. And I think somebody mentioned the erasure of bi, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of men get comfortable, you know, within those women's spaces, because that is where you are comfortable. That's where you feel comfortable. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean it doesn't erase that you ain't getting some, you know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's, it to go back to the original question, no, I've never really in the in the barbershop. I mean, I've hung out in barbershops a few times. I haven't shit. I haven't felt comfortable in the barbershop because mm-hmm. men is scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love black men. I'm I'm usually I'm pretty fearless, but you know, in those spaces where you know it, it does feel like it's anti-woman, it does feel like there's not a commonality. I mean. I like certain things as much as the next person, but I also don't like to be yelled at. And I know that that's just sometimes how men communicate, mm-hmm. but it can feel a bit aggressive and mm. a bit, you know, but have I ever been in a barbershop situation and heard something anti, you know, any anti anything? No, could be because I'm a woman and, you know, they kind of clean it up because I'm a woman, but to, to boil it down real quick in women's spaces, I really do think men think we talk about you all the time and we do not. Mm. If we are talking about a situation, it is usually girlfriend to girlfriend that that situation, you know, it has happened. And, and that's where the nigga ain't shit comes in. Mm-hmm. Now, rarely, now you will sometimes get those women that oh, all niggas, but you will also get women and women are very protective of men. I don't mm-hmm. think you realize how much women will protect the people who abuse us the most. Mm-hmm. We still will protect them. And so if you get women coming in, men ain't shit, you will get women at sis, sis, sis. It ain't always that way. 
you know, my, my dad, we'll give you examples. My uncles, my dad, my, you know, we will break it down for her. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if that happens in men's spaces because, you know, I'm not privy to that. But yeah, let that be one takeaway that we ain't talking about y'all as much as y'all think we talk about y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good point, because when we look at online spaces, when Black men are being attacked, even especially in social movements, it's usually Black women at the forefront defending Black men. So that's an interesting, you know, thing that we see blatantly that continues to be overlooked. But before we run out of time, I remember what you said that I wanted to bring up, which was how a lot of heterosexual Black men say that gay people in general have more rights than them. First, I want to acknowledge that there's intersectionality. There are Black queer people. So their rights are essentially your rights. But the only right that we quote unquote have that was special and independent was literally rescinded, which was just saying you can't openly discriminate against queer people. Because if you look at the rights that queer people do have, it's not different from what heterosexual Black people have. So I never understood that counter argument of, oh, well, we can't say anything about LGBT people. Yes, if you are in like a mainstream position, I will say like if you're in show business, et cetera, as we saw with the baby as he got canceled after spewing homophobic remarks. But for the standard average Joe walking across the street, being homophobic doesn't carry the weight that you think it does in repercussions. But unfortunately, we have less than a minute. So I want to say thank you for everybody who joined the panel. And I really appreciated having so many different perspectives. And I will see you guys again next week.